Have you ever heard the wolf cry because he lost his job? Or ask the potion master why he grinned? You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for the fun employed. I thought it was my dad who'd conjured my Patronus. I mean, when I saw myself across the lake, I thought I was seeing him. You think the dead we loved ever truly leave us? You think that we don't recall them more clearly than ever in times of great trouble? Your father is alive in you, Harry, and shows himself most plainly when you have need of him. Prongs rode again last night. I'm Heather Pricewright. And I'm Alex Dallenberg. And we are in the last chapter of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Boy, oh boy, it has been a marathon, but we are finishing the book today. And we're not live this week. No, we're just normal. But thanks to all of you who joined, it was really super fun. Oh, we loved it. It was so fun. Check out the Facebook page. You can find a video of us recording episode 25, but... uh, this is episode 26. It is indeed. So we are discussing Owl Post again. Like I said, final chapter in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. In this podcast, you will hear large, massive spoilers for this and future Harry Potter books and ample amounts of F-bombs, etc. Lots of cursing. You will also hear some adult themes. This week's adult themes are temper tantrums, stag parties, cat burglary, being outed, and overambitious holiday plans. Um, you want to tell us what happened? Yes. In this week's chapter, Harry and Hermione have returned from their time-traveling adventure. They sneak back into the... They sneak back into the hospital wing. Dumbledore's like, did it go all right, guys? And they say, yeah, we accomplished our insane mission of freeing Sirius Black and Buckbeak and Dumbledore's like whew I'm glad all that worked out uh wasn't sure it was gonna all the Dementors are super pissed to learn that Sirius Black has flown the coop with Buckbeak there's a there's a great deal of screaming is it is it the Dementors I'm assuming it's the Dementors they hear this like roar when they've discovered that I thought it was just Snape. Snape, just Snape screaming into the night. Yeah, that's right. what was my well, assumption. Someone is just, there's like a, there's bitter rage that Sirius Black has escaped. Just for clarity's sake, they don't know that Sirius Black and Buckbeak have escaped together. That's true. All right. That's they know that those two creatures have escaped. Fudge thinks he's disapparated. He's like, maybe we should have put a bodyguard with Sirius, which, yeah, that seems, uh, True. Pretty self-evident. Since Snape returned to the hospital wing, Snape is furious and is, he's saying, I don't know what happened, Minister, but Harry Potter has something to do with this. Dumbledore shows up, a twinkle in his eye, and is like, now, 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 Severus, how could that be? Harry's been locked in here the entire time. Uh, in the hospital wing. He definitely didn't travel through time with his best friend and go on a cosmic adventure to to set everything right. That definitely didn't happen. Fudge tells Dumbledore that he might want to keep an eye on Snape because he seems a little uh, loco. Uh, (laughs) It's like the only time in the series that Fudge is right. Yeah, I like Fudge is like, 
on second thought, that guy seems kind of sketchy. Um, <laughs> I was about to give him the Nobel Prize, but yeah. now I think he seems like kind of a crackpot. <laughs> so, glad there's more than one world leader that can just change his whole opinion of something on a dime, basically. Uh, leaders of the muggle world and the magical world. Anywho, Fudge tells Dumbledore that he's going to pack away the Dementors because he's never seen them be this out of control. He's taking them away. He's sending them back to Azkaban or renting them to United Airlines. Something like You're really topical <laughs> That's topical. Today. I'm getting topical. I'm fired up. You're also, again, basically reciting every line of That's the That's true. We're on, like, the second page. Okay, uh, school wraps up. Everybody's super happy, except it's really sweaty in Hogwarts because there's no air conditioning for some reason. At the end of every one of these books, there's always some remark about how the castle is sweltering. Figure it out, guys. Like, get an AC tech in there or, like, a cooling charm. Your magic. Just a little HVAC-related quibble that uh, <laughs> I have. So, there's some lovely falling action. We learn that... Lupin has had to resign because Snape told all the Slytherins that he was a werewolf. So Lupin tenders his resignation before the parents can start demanding that he leaves. He and Harry have a last minute heart to heart where he learns about his Patronus and that it was a stag. Lupin says, I'm just glad that you learned a whole lot this year. I'm probably never going to get another job again. I'm out. Dumbledore drops some knowledge on Harry, tells him your Patronus is a stag because the dead we love never truly leave us. Your father lives in you, Harry. I am Rafiki. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever, you know. (laughs) He lives in you. Hermione decides to get some work-life balance and turns in the time turner and drops Muggle Studies. And then hilariously makes a very funny quip that probably Ron should take Muggle Studies because he keeps calling it a felly tone. Yes. And she gets like 320% on her final exam. Yeah, nonsense. Wizard grading. I don't know what system that is, but that is... uh, Must be a lot of opportunity for extra credit. Everybody heads home on the Hogwarts Express, but during the journey, a tiny, super cute owl is trying to keep up with the train Harry lets it in. It has a letter from none other than his godfather, Sirius Black, who's in hiding, and it ties up all the loose ends of the plot. The firebolt, it turns out, came from Sirius, so Hermione was right. This is in no particular order. Ron gets to keep the owl because it's Sirius' fault that he doesn't have a rat anymore. Is that really Sirius' fault? It's kind of Peter Pettigrew's fault for uh, advertising himself as a rat when he's actually a human. Yeah, so Sirius says, everything's cool. I'm in hiding. Here's a permission slip so that you can visit the candy store. Ron says, Ron says, let's go to the World Cup this summer. They get back to King's Cross. Uncle Vernon is there looking very cross. Harry says, watch your back. I have a godfather now who's a convicted murderer who's escaped from wizard prison and likes to see that I'm happy. The lights fade. We close the book on Prisoner of Azkaban. And that's what happened in this week's chapter. Hell yeah. Good stuff. I hope I got everything there. I think you did. It was like a weirdly dense chapter for... Yeah, it wasn't very long, but a lot lot gets wrapped up. Gotta wrap it up. Oh, and the... Well, we'll get to it. I what? forgot to say that it turns out that Trelawney's prediction was correct. Yeah, it turns out occasionally Trelawney is an actual fortune teller. Yeah. 
And so Dumbledore's like, we should give her a pay raise. That's a funny... But he we'll makes get, so we'll, many shady jokes about it. We'll get her. along to that. Dumbledore is being a shade monster in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. But in kind of a nice way. In a way that I like this time. I don't know. Blow by blow. He's a shade monster extraordinaire. <laughs> I don't know that I love it. Um, he's definitely an agent of chaos, which is interesting. So, <sighs> Severus Snape doesn't put in a great showing. Does not acquit himself very well. We've kind of been harping on that the last couple of chapters, but he's especially horrible in... This is his worst moment in the books. This is his low point. Let's run through the litany of terrible things that Snape does well, in this chapter. Actually, it's funny because, like, he's acting like a crazy person, but, like, he's right. He comes tearing into the hospital wing, and he's like, I don't know how the fuck he did it, but Harry Potter let that murderer go. <laughs> and, like, everybody's like, dude, what the fuck? Like... You are out of control. You are behaving so inappropriately. You're like foaming at the mouth. You're screaming at this kid. But what's even, happening? Even Fudge is disturbed and he hangs out with Dementors on the regular. Yeah. Fudge is like, makes sense, man. Yeah. Fudge is like, me and McNair get drinks and he kills animals for a living and likes it. And yeah. you're freaking me out, bro. Yeah. Snape is really freaking everybody out, but. It's just like a massive gaslight by Dumbledore. Because the thing is, like, yeah, Snape's behavior is, like, inappropriate, but he's fucking right. Harry did do it. He's like, I know Potter has something to do with it. And Dumbledore is very shadily, like, unless you're suggesting he can be in two places at one time. And it's like, yes, that's exactly what he's fucking suggesting, because that's what happened. You don't know Potter, shrieked Snape. He did it. I knew he did it. That will do, Severus, said Dumbledore quietly. Think about what you are saying. This door has been locked since I left the ward ten minutes ago. Madam Pomfrey, have these students left their beds? Of course not, said Madam Pomfrey, bristling. I would have heard them. Well, there you have it, Severus, said Dumbledore calmly. Unless you are suggesting that Harry and Hermione are able to be in two places at once, I'm afraid I don't see any point in troubling them further. Snape stood there, seething, staring from Fudge, who looked thoroughly shocked at his behavior, to Dumbledore, whose eyes were twinkling behind his glasses. Snape whirled about, robes swishing behind him, and stormed out of the ward. Fellow seems quite unbalanced said Fudge, staring after him. I'd watch out for him if I were you, Dumbledore. Oh, he's not unbalanced, said Dumbledore quietly. He's just suffered a severe disappointment. And it's so bitchy when Dumbledore is like, (laughs) um, girl, you sound crazy. This moment is very satisfying. It's like the classic comeuppance of the, not the major bad guy, but but, you know, the, the bully, the little bad who is, like, spluttering and can't figure out how he got duped. Like, I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids. I don't know how you did it, but next time, mark my words, Harry Potter. And uh, it's yeah. just, you know, it's cla- it's classic, but that feeling always delivers. It's true, but on the other hand, like, it's not super fair to Snape to constantly make it feel like the reality he lives in isn't true yeah also he's your double agent maybe you he should be in on your schemes bro (laughs) maybe you 
don't want to be psychologically tormenting the dude who's was sort of Voldemort curious back in the day. Actually, more than Voldemort curious. No, he was a the former Death the former Death Eater. Yeah, this semi current um, Death Eater, like. I don't know. There's some shit going on between Dumbledore and Snape. Dumbledore in this book. and Snape have, I mean, not just in this book. Like, no, I know, but especially right. Th- it starts here. This is like a low point in their relationship because he's even saying to Fudge, he's like, "I hope Dumbledore doesn't get in the way of this soul execution that I'm really fucking pumped about." Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because I feel like I was like a much stronger Snape detractor when we started making the Quibbler. But lately I'm like, Snape's awful. Like he's a bully and he needs to get over all his like childhood bullshit. But like Dumbledore is legitimately psychologically torturing him. (laughs) Like Dumbledore is building like an elaborately constructed unreality in which like Snape can't trust his senses or his instincts or his intuition or anything he thinks or sees or perceives at all he's just like Dumbledore's just like nope nothing is what you think you are wrong and you are crazy (laughs) which is mean he's trying to teach him a lesson in this book you know he's been very firm with him Dumbledore just like really thinks it's his right to teach everybody lessons all the time like that's true. I mean, who the fuck says Dumbledore has a right to teach people, like, how to live their lives? I don't know, the chocolate frog card that says he's the best wizard ever? Yeah, he's, like, an a thousand-year-old, like, confirmed bachelor with nobody in his life except a cat lady and, like, a sad orphan boy. And a birthmark with the London Underground map on it. I just, I don't necessarily know that Dumbledore has a right to be the one to teach Snape how to live life. All right, well... If Dumbledore's trying to teach Snape a lesson, it doesn't get through to Snape because he continues to be horrible. He viciously and obviously in retribution for the fact that Sirius got away, outs Lupin as a werewolf to all the Slytherins, which ensures that Lupin has to resign. Yeah, that's really Uh, awful. He ruins Lupin's life. And probably ensures that he can't get a job anywhere in the wizarding world because, you know, everybody in Wizarding England seems to send their kids to Hogwarts. So, you know, that news travels fast. Certainly, the Daily Prophet picks it up at some point. Rita Skeeter definitely uh, writes a yeah. column. Yeah, so... Like Peggy Noonan-style column. <laughs> also, during finals, Snape is described as looking like he literally wants to strangle Harry to death. Yeah, he wants to kill Harry, which, like, he needs to get a hold of. That's fair. Yeah, I like, don't... he needs to not want to kill kids. We will be revisiting this point again and again and again, but I, I don't think any one of these things, it's like, can we really forgive you for this, even if you're doing other ostensibly noble actions? I don't know, man. Uh... I also just don't know that we need to give Snape credit for his, like, quote-unquote noble actions when his nobility is basically, like... He's not as bad as you thought he was. Like, <laughs> that's not exactly redemption. We are going to talk about the Snape redemption narrative a lot. So I guess we can move past that. Right. Um, Quick sidebar about him outing Lupin, though, which is just really vicious. That is a, just a deeply disturbing and upsetting thing. And he tells a bunch of kids. It's one of the nastiest it's, things Snape does in the books. It's really dark. So my question is, like, is there wizard 
welfare or unemployment? Like, what does Lupin do now? Is there any kind of wizard social safety net? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, he seems to be an expert in dark creatures. Maybe he could consult. Yeah, but I don't think anybody's going to hire werewolf consultant. Spooky <laughs> scary. Maybe, yeah, he certainly can't get a government job, which seems to be the main supplier of wizarding jobs. Yeah, I'm, like, worried about him. Maybe Dumbledore is, like, going to take care of him. Is Dumbledore Just rich? He must Payments be. on the slide. Well, he did have access to the Sorcerer's Stone for many years. So which he has can, all the gold. Boom, he can... create gold. Also, Sirius is rich. We're going to get to that later. But yeah. Sirius has a lot of money too. it's weird that all these boys are rich i don't know what lupin does in the meantime but uh i mean we see him again later and he becomes like a full-time like resistance fighter but right. in between like what's this guy up to he has to get a sugar mama named nymphadora tonks that's way later yeah also tonks is hardly a sugar mama oh she's delightful okay way ahead of ourselves uh but farewell lupin he truly yeah. is the best defense against the dark arts teacher. Oh, absolutely. These books will not see his like again. That is true. Pour one out for Lupin. You know? Oh, captain, my captain. Basically. Um. Except he's actually a good teacher, unlike Robin Williams ooh, in that movie. Fighting words. Unpopular opinion. Yeah, but shared opinion. <laughs> um, fuck Dead Poets Society. I hate that movie so much. It sucks because I love Robin Williams, but the whole time I'm like, that's not teaching. That's not teaching. This is bad pedagogy. Nope. Terrible. Uh, he would be great at Hogwarts, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're all bad teachers. <laughs> except for Lupin. So Dumbledore gives a little wisdom talk. Yeah. The the traditional end book. Twinkly-eyed bullshit yeah uh no this this one actually isn't bullshit this is there's some good lessons in here i'm gonna grudgingly give it to dumbledore his folksy wizard wisdom um serves him well here i guess it's not actually folksy at all do you think it's necessary for dumbledore to come in and wrap things up saying like your father is in you the whole time that felt a little like we get that right stag needs to hear it harry yeah, okay fair like, enough harry needs somebody to come and tell him like you're a good person and things will work out and you have not ruined the earth all right i mean especially he needs somebody to tell him that he has not basically like set in motion the end of the wizarding world by letting Pettigrew get away because harry right. is feeling understandably like enormous guilt about um, not letting Sirius and Lupin kill Peter Pettigrew when they have the chance because Pettigrew escapes. And as we learn from crazy-ass Professor Trelawney, Pettigrew will, he is the servant of Lord Voldemort and he will soon return to his master and um, that will set in motion the Dark Lord's return to power. Which, like, this book plunges into darkness real fast for like two pages yeah so but so harry's like fuck i brought voldemort back so it is useful for dumbledore to be like no like that's not on you we also learn though that when a wizard saves another wizard's life there's a bond created between them but i stopped sirius and professor looping from killing pettigrew 
That makes it my fault if Voldemort comes back. It does not, said Dumbledore quietly. Hasn't your experience with the time-turner taught you anything, Harry? The consequences of our actions are always so complicated, so diverse, that predicting the future is a very difficult business indeed. Professor Trelawney, bless her, is living proof of that. You did a very noble thing in saving Pettigrew's life. But if he helps Voldemort back to power, Pettigrew owes his life to you. You have sent Voldemort a deputy who is in your debt. When one wizard saves another wizard's life, it creates a certain bond between them. And I'm much mistaken if Voldemort wants his servant in the debt of Harry Potter. I don't want a connection with Pettigrew, said Harry. He betrayed my parents. This is magic at its deepest, its most impenetrable, Harry. But trust me, the time may come when you will be very glad you saved Pettigrew's life. Uh, so there's this kind of wizard life debt concept that we see in various fantasies, like Star Wars has life debts and things like that. And then Dumbledore says this is like really powerful. This is like some of the most powerful magic. So going back to that, that like wandless magic that's created by, Just by the actions mm-hmm, of wizards. By the actions people take and the relationships and the ways they have of relating to each other, which I I love so much because that's the stuff that Dumbledore is really like pondering over and like trying to figure out. I'm just calling that out because that's some of my favorite elements of the magical plot lines. I totally agree with you. I think that's by far the most interesting kind of magic. And it is the kind of magic that Dumbledore that Dumbledore seems to be something of a scholar of. Right. Which definitely raises Dumbledore in my estimation. He um, He's someone who thinks hard about what is created by the various streams and crisscrosses and meetings and endings and of lives and choices and, and people's relationships. So... It's like Snape has that speech at the beginning of the first book about there will be no foolish wand waving. Mm-hmm. And like in Dumbledore's conception of magic, it's like so much deeper even than that. He's just like magic lives in our bones and we express it with our every action. So he's the closest we get to the kind of like metaphorical meanings and purposes of magic in these books. And I do think... I hate on Dumbledore a lot. <laughs> no, obviously Dumbledore is like the best character. One of, I mean, and like one of the most important characters. And I think I hate on him only because he's so hero worshipped that it's boring. But in moments like these, he teaches Harry things that nobody else is going to tell Harry. Like this whole concept of erring on the side of mercy. Right. Harry is not going to learn that elsewhere in the wizarding world. Harry mm-hmm. has come up against... A lot of violence and small-mindedness in his little life. And Dumbledore is really, really good at the end of each of these books of kind of like pulling back a little bit and saying like, look, it matters if you are good and fair and try to do right by people. Not it matters like in kind of like a, Boy Scout way. Like it matters 
profoundly at like a molecular level and it changes it literally changes the world if you act with morality and care reminds me of another famous wizard gandalf talking to frodo about whether or not his uncle bilbo should have killed gollum it's a pity bilbo didn't kill him when he had the chance Pity. It was pity that stayed Bulbo's hand. Many that lived deserved death, and some that died deserve life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Even the very wise can see all ends. My heart tells me that Gollum has some part to play yet. For good or ill, before this is over. The pity of Bilbo may rule the fate of many. And of course, Gollum ends up helping destroy the ring, even if inadvertently, but... Right, and I mean... What you were saying about deep magic. and, um, And Dumbledore's comments about... Peter Pettigrew are also pretty strong foreshadowing. It mm-hmm. does end up being extremely important that Harry saves Peter Pettigrew's life. I don't think I really, we won't go into why, but right. but that's, um he's right. He's right in a very literal plot sense, but he's also right in saying, you know, I like, because he has this whole, this this whole kind of soliloquy about, he's like, it's the same as the, whole experience you just had with going back in time our choices and their outcomes are so complicated that there's no way to trace back one outcome to one choice and nobody is like solely responsible for anything but if you move through the world in good faith with as much honesty and mercy and kindness as you can your choices are more likely than not to result in good things I think that's a good thing to like that's a those are good thoughts to live by he's basically like look like you acted with your conscience and your conscience is likely to pay off we don't know how we can't trace that there's no like straight line from your merciful deed to any one outcome but putting that out in the world is better than not putting that out in the world I think that's badass that's great. Score one for Dumbledore. Yeah. Really, I only bitch about Dumbledore because it's just like really boring to just love him. <laughs> he's complicated. He's complicated. He's and, complicated. But he's and marvelous. These, and these books are, it's a long setup toward the final complication of Dumbledore's character, which she's playing a really long game. Oh, it's the and, longest And game. you know. But I think the nostalgia of having read these books as kids and not having gone back to them in a long time and or being a fucking moron and only watching the movies. Sorry, but like that's what I think. Wow. <laughs> On blast movie watchers. Um, I mean, whatever. If you're not a fan, fine, only watch the movies. But you can't fucking call yourself a fan of the series and have only seen the movies. Like that's not fair. So point being, if you only have seen the movies or if you haven't actually engaged with the books in a really long time, you do get this sort of like, wise old Dumbledore giving advice. Like you lose that complication. So I think part of what we're trying to do is just like remind you guys, like Dumbledore is a 
fucking weirdo. <laughs> and I think that's a much more fun character to, en- character to engage with than just like, I don't know, just a n- smart, nice, old, good man. Yeah. This is better. This complicated, yeah, complicated Dumbledore is better Dumbledore. Also, Agent of Chaos Dumbledore is my very favorite Dumbledore in the world. <laughs> Dumbledore is just out here like, I hope everything goes bananas. There's a line that says he seems to, when he's telling Snape, uh, when he's gaslighting Snape, that he seems to be enjoying himself. Yeah. That Fudge and Snape are so perplexed. <laughs> oh my God. And it's like, okay, even if you're glad that Sirius escaped, like, what is happening is very fucking serious. And he's just like, this is amazing. Everything's a mess. I he's like that. He's a messy bitch who lives he's for a, drama. He is 100%. If I was going to put something on his tombstone, it would literally be Albus Dumbledore, a messy bitch who lives for, lives for drama. <laughs> like, he and Joanna Scammer are one in the same kind I love it. I love that. It's so... Okay, we're going to move on. But um, (laughs) I I fucking love that. So we have to talk about Cornelius Fudge. The Daily Prophet's going to have a field day. We had Black cornered, and he slipped through our fingers yet again. All it needs now is for the sawyer of that hippogriff's escape to get out, and I'll be a laughingstock. Well, I'd better go and notify the Ministry. And the Dementors, said Dumbledore. They'll be removed from the school, I trust. Oh, yes, they'll have to go, said Fudge, running his fingers distractedly through his hair. Never dreamt they'd attempt to administer the kiss on an innocent boy. Completely out of control. No, I'll have them packed off back to Azkaban tonight. Perhaps we should think about dragons at the school entrance. Hagrid would like that, said Dumbledore, smiling at Harry and Hermione. Fudge suffers twin political setbacks in this chapter. Yeah, he, he makes two big errors. He, Which, you wouldn't think the Buckbeak thing would be that big a deal, but Fudge is fretting it. He, uh, it's a big deal because Lucius Malfoy is so powerful. Right. Okay, so the execution of Buckbeak is botched. He gets away, and of course, uh, Sirius Black escapes, and Fudge is, Fudge is like so pumped that he's going to go tell the Daily Prophet that they've caught serious and then nothing so fudge is like oh my god i'm gonna be a laughing stock but he somehow holds on to his job i think this chapter plants the seeds for some of fudge's behavior in later books so somehow fudge holds on to his position even though i'm sure he suffers like titanic blowback for all of this but, uh, You're right, actually, though. How does he stay minister? I I know. I mean, this is like a massive fuck-up. It's a huge scandal. He's escaped, like, the most notorious murderer other than Voldemort in the Wizarding World has escaped twice under Fudge's watch in, like, six months. Right. This is, like, their Tora Bora moment or whatever. Although, I guess, well... When I, I do not get that reference. Oh, when... They had Bin Laden cornered in Afghanistan and Tora Bora, and he escaped. Although oh, I guess, I didn't know that. yeah, uh, early in the War on Terror. But you know, W had some big slip-ups, and he was still narrowly reelected. Like uh, politicians recover from large gaffes and scandals. Maybe the goodwill from hosting a successful World Cup in the next few months is able to help him 
maintain his uh, hold on power. Yeah, we love nothing uh, more than a totally <laughs> meaningless sporting event that makes us feel like there's unity in the world. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. uh, saving the Olympics, like, helped build Mitt Romney's uh, career. That's true. Okay, so, uh, anyway, though. <laughs> so Fudge survives, but I think he is so on guard against another one of these embarrassments that it leads him into some of his decisions that we're going to get into in Order of the Phoenix, where he's becoming like kind of a proto-authoritarian, clamping down on freedom of the press and yeah, like basically persecuting Harry Potter as a possible like subversive. I think leaders become strongmen because they're incompetent. People who are good at governing don't need to become strongmen. Right. It's people the- people who are really, really poor at maintaining like a normal kind and quality of order and peace don't become authoritarians because they don't fucking have to. Right. It's only bad governors. It's Yeah, it's almost the only thing that holds the whole apparatus together. I've seen, it's funny, recently... As, you know, there's quite a raging debate over, like, the level of authoritarianism that's uh, rising in the U.S. right now. But it's causing a lot of people to revisit 1984. And some commentary I've seen is that Orwell gives the totalitarians way too much credit. Because they're they're like these puppet masters. But most authoritarian regimes are kind of bumbling and corrupt and they can't get out of their own ways. And they're still, like horribly dangerous and terrifying because, you know, they have uh, Dementors and dragons and, like, in our world, like, you know, missiles and secure, like, secret police and shit. But it doesn't change the fact that they often don't know what they're doing. Well, an authoritarian... Well, an authoritarianism arises from not knowing what you're doing. Yeah. The reason they have to get more and more authoritarian, the reason they have to crack down harder and harder is because they keep losing... The thread. Right. And I think you're really right that Fudge's incompetence in this book really sets the stage for his later right. devolving into like a true strongman. And he's a he's really frightening later on. Right. Well, yeah. And that that's what happens when you when you can't win the argument and you give up trying because you know, he installs Dolores Umbridge to revamp education and uh well we'll we'll get to all of this. I just wanted to like call this out. Yes, I think that this is definitely a scene in which you begin to see why Fudge and why the Fudge administration devolves so much. We also see Percy's, some more of Percy's burgeoning, is authoritarianism too strong a word? Uh, uh, I don't know. Percy he's kind per- of a, sec- he's like a security state, right. like hawk kind of a That's guy. That's true, okay. Yeah, he's more of a, Percy's a neocon, yeah. basically. <laughs> Percy is uh telling anyone who will listen uh, about his ideas to for magical law enforcement. I mean, to be fair, they need some ideas for magical law enforcement because right now their ideas are, and this segues to another thing I want to talk about, he's like, oh, wow, the Dementors, fuck, they're super out of control. I can't believe they did that. Well, better send them back to the prison. Like, they're not even going to have, like, a conference <laughs> yeah, where they, this, like, I don't know, like, retrain the Dementors. This should be, this should launch an investigation. Ugh. The Wizarding World is governed so dangerously. But, I mean, this is also, this is also kind of true to life in a way where when something bad has become so entrenched, you can't even see, like, you can't even see. 
another the way. For, like the forest for the trees, basically. Like that the problem is the fact that you're using Dementors. Right. The problem isn't that the Dementors went rogue. The problem is that this is the character of the Dementors themselves. Like this isn't them like doing something unexpected. This is them doing exactly what they're supposed to do and they shouldn't be your fucking prison guards. Right. Fudge's next suggestion is what if we just put dragons there? And it's like... Because they're really good at catching criminals? Like, what the fuck? Also, Vols, they do bring dragons to the school uh, next year. I know, but for a totally different reason. For sports. Reason. For sports-related reasons. Sports dragon balls. <laughs> I like that Dumbledore is like, yeah, Hagrid would think that was pretty cool, though. That's a, <laughs> that's a cute line. Real quickly, so Trelawney's prediction is true. It turns out that, as Dumbledore says, that means she's been correct twice. I just want to point out that Dumbledore is once again just like shady as shit about Trelawney like Harry's like oh Professor Trelawney did something really weird and Dumbledore kind of looks at him and he's like uh weirder than normal (laughs) and it's like that's so bitchy Dumbledore (laughs) and then he's like well now she's been right twice like we should raise her pay knowing the future is a valuable skill though no 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 I know I just think it's like it's yeah. really bitchy. Well, like, that's is, a mean thing to say. We learn now learn why Dumbledore keeps uh, Professor Trelawney around. We don't all the way learn because we don't learn what her first one um, was. But that also is really good foreshadowing. That one's a doozy. Yeah, but I mean that is really good foreshadowing because your natural question is like, oh, when was she right the first time? And like that is the key to this whole fucking thing, you guys. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of the last happy ending in these books. Not kind of. Uh, no, this is, well, until the very last book. But that, is that it's even a happy, happy ending? ending? It takes place on like a pile of wizard corpses. Yeah. Um, That's a happy ending the way like this- Appomattox was a happy ending. <laughs> like it's over, I guess. Yeah. Uh, did you like that I referenced I did, Appomattox? I did like the Appomattox uh, reference, Lee's Surrender, uh, on April 9th, 1865. Also, our wedding anniversary. Not 1865, though. That's, uh, <laughs> we're vampires. That's Yeah, we're also deathless. Uh, and this is a really satisfying chapter because it ties up all those loose ends, and it really is the last kind of cozy wrap-up. It know? is. It's the last time they're like, and then we went on the train, and nobody was dead, and nobody had seen anybody die, and nothing terrible had happened, really. So, it's a really fun ending. Ugh, yeah, those are going to go away. The roller coaster is... Yeah, you're hearing the creaking and it's about to reach the the apex. Yeah, I mean, yes, this ending is a really important turning point because, I mean, like I said, you have those like two pages where it's like, by the way, yeah, ah, Voldemort's coming back. And then we're just like done with that. And the first three books feel really separate in that way. They do. They, from, it almost feels like a trilogy and then right, a whole other From the series. last four, like these kind of like episodic... Book three is really the last one that's about children mm-hmm. and about childhood. They're adolescence, full bore by book four. And um, also shit's like super going to go down and it's going to get really sad. Yeah. I mean, it's still what they're still delightful in lots of ways. But yes, they are going to get sad. So get ready. And we'll be recording Goblet. They also get really long, so we'll be recording Goblet of Fire for ever months. Yeah, probably. many months. So let's do some quibbles. Just some weird, like weird stuff. Quibble, we have to wrap just up. Just like a quibble pensive. Yeah, real fast. 
the main one? Okay, so... Gringotts Bank. You'd be mad to try and rob it. Apparently, all you have to do is give a cat a note and send him to the owl office to withdraw as much money as you want to buy a firebolt because that's how Sirius purchases the firebolt for Harry. There is something I never got around to telling you during our brief meeting. It was I who sent you the firebolt. Ha! said Hermione triumphantly. See? I told you it was from him. Yes, but he hadn't jinxed it, had he? said Ron. Ouch! The tiny owl, now hooting happily in his hand, had nibbled one of his fingers in what it seemed to think was an affectionate way. Crookshanks took the order to the owl office for me. I used your name but told them to take the gold from my own Gringotts vault. Please consider it as 13 birthdays worth of presents from your godfather. Yeah, I just need to reiterate here. Sirius sends Crookshanks the cat <laughs> with a piece of paper with a note that's unsigned <laughs> to just be like give this cat a million dollars and they're like yeah it seems legit seems legit they like I did a double take he doesn't go to the bank he does go to the owl office but they contact Gringotts for Sirius Black's vault Withdrawn from the Black family vaults. Also, wait, so how does this not set up alerts in the ministry? How do the goblins not call the Ministry of Magic and say, guys, like, someone's withdrawing somebody took out, like, large amounts of money. Hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> from this murderer's bank account. Should we look into that? I think a cat is the one who delivered the note. <laughs> they- they don't have civil asset forfeiture in the wizarding world? Honey. You'd think they would, fr- like, we freeze international criminals' bank accounts. But they can't. This is the thing wizards would do. They would literally put that gold in ice. In ice. Yeah, That's how they it. would, quote unquote, uh, freeze it. And then they would thaw it with dragons because <laughs> everything is nonsense. So, uh, Gringotts, your security is not great. Since you could have any feline walk into a post office and, like, use a mail order with a vault number. Like, does he have his key? Can't get in. Do you have a cat with a (laughs) post-it? Killer. Seems legit. Yeah. Here's 200 pounds of gold. Yeah, because also the Fireball is bonkers expensive. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Ferrari, you know? He took out a huge, (laughs) huge chunk of change. By he, I do mean Crookshanks the cat. Yes, Crookshanks. How did he transport that gold? I don't Uh, know. So many questions. He must have had to like make multiple baskets on his baggage full of gold. Multiple trips. And he's walking through fucking um, Diagon Alley, and people are like, "Who is this cat carrying all this money?" Yeah, this is. Then this is mail or this is mail fraud. It's Since they put in the insane. owl office has the order, it's they call up Gringotts. I mean, with a convicted killer's like credit card number, basically, uh, and no, he uses he not uses, a credit card number, a bag, uh, like a physical, like uh, like you know, in like <laughs> bank robber movies, right? Like old silent. No, films. but the number gets him access to the 
access to the money. Although he uses Harry's name. So he uses Harry's name... To withdraw money to withdraw from, from Sirius the person Black's who murdered Harry's parents. Faults. Uh, either Gringotts is like, I don't know, maybe this is like some, maybe there's some like Swiss banking thing we don't know about, and no, Gringotts is like, is just no not, questions asked. No, this is just not well thought out. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of the Firebolt, we just want to give uh, one more moment of brief credit to our queen, our goddess and savior, Hermione Granger, who was fucking right because it was from Sirius. And Ron's like real fast. He's like, yeah, but wasn't cursed. <laughs> and Hermione's like, yeah, but obviously he fucking sent it. Who else? Right. Sirius just like sends a totally unsecured <laughs> letter. Dear Harry Potter, love your murderer, Sirius Black. <laughs> yeah. Like, hope no one finds this. Hope this doesn't fall. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you where yeah. I am, but I am going to tell you who I am. Yeah. Thanks for helping me escape. Yeah. Thank you for your if assistance. If the ministry finds this letter, I, yeah, what? I'm still in Azkaban. And I, then he sends it with this, like, totally useless little Use, owl. like, invisible ink or something. I know. Fred and George don't pass notes like this. Come on. Yeah, you could buy some Weasley's Wizard Wheezes to send a more secure letter from your murderer hideout. <laughs> also, now Harry has a permission slip, but once again, it is from a convicted murderer who is on the loose. We're just going to give it to Dumbledore, and Dumbledore's going to be like, all right. I just feel like Minerva McGonagall is going to be like, I'm going to need to check that, because she doesn't trust Dumbledore. She's like Albus. Get a grip. <laughs> this is not valid. No, no. Just we are not accepting this. This is from a murderer who's maybe dead. Um, I guess she does trust him. I just like, hilar- it's hilarious that Harry's like, oh, hooray, my problems are solved. It's like, Sirius is still not like, I don't know, in the clear. Whatever. Um, And then I just have to share my, like, my dream sort of like off screen fanfic Mm -hmm. which is that lupin goes and joins sirius and buckbeak and they like go on the lamb together and it's like two men in a hippogriff and i don't know like maybe they solve crimes (laughs) like a werewolf a murderer and a giant eagle horse i hope that's what happens that's what i think happens i don't actually know why doesn't lupin just like go hang out with sirius like he can't fucking do anything else I guess they, it'll like maybe blow their cover. Yeah. I just think those guys, A, are like probably in love. Where's he going to get his wolfbane potion? I don't, I'm really worried about him. Like his, his medical expenses are about to go way up. I know, I know. And he lost his health insurance. He's not under Snape care anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Uh, Who's your unsung hero? Mine is Pigwidgeon. For being real cute. And he's just, you know, he's super earnest. He wants he wants that job. Uh, I also really and- <laughs> like how Ron, like, holds out Pigwidgeon. After he reads that Sirius is giving Pigwidgeon to him, he holds out the owl and he's like, Hey, hey, <laughs> Crookshanks, is this a guy? You have to tell me if this is a dude. And that's Cookshanks a, is like, no, that's a real bird. That's a great moment of reconciliation it's too very between sweet. Ron and the cat. For Harry, up. yeah, Ron and the cat have uh, have have a moment. Although I guess we don't know it's Pigwidgeon yet. 
it, it hasn't, it hasn't gotten, gotten the name, but the no, little it's owl. Just, uh, yeah, that owl's um, a hoot. Oh my god, mine is Penelope Clearwater because, like, girl has it rough. She is, and I quote, the only person who will listen to Percy Weasley as he goes on and on and on about his many, many, many proposals to the Ministry of Magic. For magical, for magical law enforcement. But oh, later, I mean, he also probably talks to her about, like, cauldron thickness yeah. and... <laughs> yeah, cauldron thickness. I... Stop. No more... I'm not making those jokes right It makes now. sense that he would have a lot of suggestions for magical law enforcement, because he knows a lot about handcuffs at this point. I hate this. Uh, this is my least like favorite thing that we do on this podcast. <laughs> I hate it so much. Well, Percy's about to graduate, and uh, I don't know. I just don't like... I don't like this weird, like, S&M life we've constructed for them. It makes me feel really sad. <laughs> oh, no, you should, uh... I just, I just want to, I'm just trying to give a shout out to Penelope no, Clearwater. Good. She has to put up with a lot she puts of up with a Percy explaining. She seems, like, really smart and, like, low-key, and she doesn't make Percy pay his crazy debt. Well, I guess no. He, no, wins. he wins. She has Take to pay him out. either in money or stop. Who knows? I hate it. All right, sorry. I hate it. Uh, uh, did we mention going back to that mad bet they place? Penelope's rich, right? Clearly, since she made that like crazy large bet. I think they're both just like stupid. Oh uh, well, uh, theory would be that Percy's a social climber, which we know. Oh, that's actually a good. Yeah, Is that's Percy a, good a gold digger too. Well, since it's literal gold. Right, yeah, a literal gold digger. I don't um, know. Maybe Penelope's rich. We don't learn much about her family. But anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just, she's my unsung hero. That's a good one. She is a representative of unsung hero women everywhere who just have to listen to men talk about bullshit. I have a lot of ideas about bullshit. Oh, I for, actually for talk after this, uh... significantly more than you do. <laughs> so in our relationship, that is false. As anybody who listens to this podcast knows, I talk a lot more than you do. Um, so I I'm sorry. talk more these days. I'm getting, uh... No, no, no. I mean, in general. Just, <laughs> like, in our lives. You have a lot of ideas about cauldron thickness. I have a lot of ideas about everything. It's very annoying. I'm sorry. Including Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Okay. Do we have time for yeah, me to why just not? No. say to... This is what we... This is our... The next podcast we're going to do is just going to be called, like, uh, Rock Talk or something. I don't know. I love... Dwayne the Rock Johnson so much. I mean, there's nothing more to say about it than that. I, the, he is the only celebrity who, if it turns out there's something like fucked up about him, um, I would genuinely cry. I think he's the nicest, most beautiful man, and I want him to carry me around like Thumbelina. And I really like his Instagram because he like thanks people and he's really nice to his fans. And I just whatever. Now this is just the podcast of Heather babbling about how incredibly obsessed with Dwayne The Rock Johnson she is. This has been a Quibbler endorsement. Yeah, the Quibbler highly, highly, highly endorses Dwayne Johnson. Is he a Harry Potter fan? He certainly must be. I mean, he likes everything. That's true. So, (laughs) yes. I bet if we Googled Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Harry Potter, we'd find... Maybe some cosplay. Who knows? Uh, that's that's newsletter fodder. Wow, that's too much for you. I can't think about Dwayne the Rock Johnson like dressing up in Harry Potter gear because I just <laughs> <sighs> actually no, I don't. 
I don't want him to be a nerd. Part of what I like about him is that he is really unabashedly like a meathead. That's true. But still like a good, smart, lovely person. Because he basically, he's like non-toxic masculinity. He'd be Gryffindor. Don't you think? I think he might. Because they're kind of jockish. No, I think he might be a Hufflepuff. A Hufflepuff. I think Dwayne he's a Hufflepuff. the Hufflepuff Johnson. I mean, he's incredibly hardworking. He gets through setbacks. His most important asset is his like work ethic and his good nature. I think he's like a classic yeah, Hufflepuff. Yeah, you're right. The Rock's a Hufflepuff. Yeah, he's just like a really strong, beautiful, caramel, sexy god wow. Hufflepuff. That makes me feel a lot of Huffle pride, actually. You should. No, I think he's absolutely a Hufflepuff. In, in my Hufflepuffness. Yeah. No, I mean, I think he's just hardworking, genuinely kind-spirited, and like out here trying to like do his darndest. This week's episode is brought to you by... Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson and The Owl Office. Need money? No questions asked. Just send a cat. <laughs> it's actually weird because, like, cats eat owls. Offer code Quibbler. No, owls eat cats, don't uh, they? Yeah, owls eat cats. Damn. Straight up. Well, kittens. If it is a large owl, it's taken down a beefy cat. I would like to see... Crookshanks and an owl fight. I don't want either of them to win or lose, but I would like to see them Just fight. sparring? Yeah, that'd be cool. Just, uh... Um, if you still like this podcast after <laughs> this very off-the-rails and zany episode, I can't tell how weird it was, but... It always sounds better after editing well, we'll just fix it in post we'll fix it in post anyway if you continue to be enjoying this podcast please rate it five stars um we're kind of stuck again we got to that big goal of 50 and now we're kind of hovering there so um i don't know like let's boost that count this week if you guys are so inclined so rate us five stars leave us a review if you wouldn't mind um, and subscribe to the podcast. We are on now all three of the major socials at Quibble Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Twitter podcast. We're not on Snapchat yet because like I know this is a joke of an old person thing to say, but I don't get Snapchat. <laughs> so I don't know. We're showing our We're a thousand. Our age, yeah. Yeah. Guys, we've been married for a year. Yeah, we just had our anniversary. Not, it was also the anniversary, also the anniversary of, of Appomattox. Appomattox Courthouse, the surrender at Appomattox. We're not on LinkedIn yet either. If, uh, if you were you, looking for you us You LinkedIn there. power users, if you want to endorse us for, uh, for owls, uh, <laughs> I would happily take an endorsement for owls. Uh, you can find me uh, at Alex Dallenberg on LinkedIn. Check out the newsletter. It's at tinyletter.com slash quibblerpodcast. We're going to Google Dwayne the Rock Johnson Harry Potter and probably put in the newsletter whatever we find. Yeah, so you definitely mm-hmm. want to subscribe to that. Or just, no, don't Google that yourself. No, don't Google Make yourself. Make this a treat for your future self. Something to look forward to. Delayed gratification. Indeed. Next week, we are going to be doing a movie mini episode. 
um, for Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and a mailbag, which we said we'd do this week, yeah, but we got... Yeah, we haven't done the mailbag yet. It got too long, so we're gonna... One of these we're days. We're gonna do it with the movie mini. Okay. And then um, our, like, I don't know, it's not sad news, but just, like, maybe medium disappointing news is we're gonna take a tiny break between movie mini and book four, um, because this is a lot of work actually and uh we need a little bit of a breather and we have some family stuff and some just sort of like muggle world bullshit coming up gearing up for book four too we gotta get also like yeah we have to like drink our gatorade and get our electrolytes my patronus is ready so we'll be back in may not gonna be a long hiatus just a couple of weeks but um after the movie mini next week there will not be an episode for a little while we'll come back with book four harry potter and the goblet of fire in may so um yeah we'll talk to you guys soon thanks everybody thanks amigos Wizards have banks? Just the one. Gringotts. Run by goblins. Goblins? Yeah. So you'd be mad to try and rob it, and I'll tell you that. Never mess with goblins, Harry. Gringotts is the safest place in the world for anything you want to keep safe, except maybe Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs>